Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yo, yo, what's up? This is Podcast Rebellion. Once again, I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, the ghost of Jay Cutler, a.k.a. Bob. Bob, what's up, dude? Not much, man. Uh, been a hell of a week. Uh, and uh, as you know, I just found out recently that I'm not going to Berkeley on Saturday, which is uh, really, uh, really a bummer. But you know what I am going to get to do? This is exciting. And this is a good consolation prize. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the march, the Juggalo march here in the District of Columbia. They are marching for their that's rights on, on the National Mall. That's better than a college football game, if you ask me. I mean, it's definitely – I've been to lots of the college football games, and I've never been to a Juggalo march. So it's a new experience. Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. It, um, it's funny because it's coinciding with, like, nine other protests. And so it's going to be in, there's closing off streets and stuff. It's going to be insane. It's going to be the craziest random Saturday in September. It's bound to be peaceful for sure. Oh, no doubt. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) okay. okay, So there, there is a huge, both pro president Trump and anti president Trump rally going on at the same time and a juggalo rally. Uh, And also according to the Washington post, this is the time of the year when a lot of people get married on the National Mall. Like, they want to have, like, the Lincoln Memorial as a backdrop or some dorky shit. And so I'm like, you got competing rallies. You've got sort of like this chaotic neutral in the Juggalos. And then you have a bunch of weddings. Like, what is going on? And so I'm just going to hang out all day. I'll probably just drink out there, you know. Uh, I'll listen to the Florida game on the radio, I guess. Because our game doesn't kick off till 10 Eastern, so I'm fine. So... Myself and Bob will not be in Berkeley, um, but quite possibly the longest and best intro that we've ever done for a guest that we've had on our podcast. Um, we managed to talk about Juggalos, Trump, and uh, talk about Berkeley. Um, so Cal Golden Blogs, Nam Lay is joining us. Nam, what's up, man? Hey, you know... I feel like all those things comprise a regular Berkeley weekend, so uh, it feels like as appropriate an introduction as any. Yeah, so Bob will get a little little taste of Berkeley on the East Coast, uh, even though he's not going. Yeah, exactly. As we speak right now, there's a protest going on in Berkeley, so uh, everything (laughs) everything's coming full circle. Hell yeah! Um, So this game is it's been uh, I can't remember when it was exactly released that it was going to happen, but it was a couple years ago. A lot of people were fired up. Uh, Myself, Bob, everybody at the site was really excited. A lot of people wanted to go. Unfortunately, we will not be able to attend, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Mainly points, 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 and points. Um, Both teams can really score it, and both teams really can't stop it. Um, So it should be fun. Last game of the night, I Bob, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think this is Ole Miss's first venture into Pac-12 after dark, is it not? Well, 
It, not only that, that is, that is correct. It's also the first time Ole Miss has played a school that is a current member of the Pac-12. Uh, that was the caveat that they gave us. I don't know what former member of the Pac-12 we played at some point, but this is the first time we've ever played a Pac-12 school. And it's something that I've been wanting for a long time. Like I have really been wanting to play a team out West. I always thought they'd be a great destination. Uh, Berkeley was one I was very excited about. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it, but um, you know, I've been to the Bay Area several times. So, um, you know, I, but I would love for uh, Ole Miss to play another California team in the future, maybe Washington up in Seattle. I mean, there's a lot of cool places to play football out West. And so uh, first time they've played a Pac-12 team. So not only is it the first time they've done that, but this is Pac-12 after dark. I mean, this is not SEC territory. It's going to be very weird. Indeed. Uh, extremely, um, extremely weird. It's oh, a very sure. weird I mean, phenomenon. It's setting up to just really, really be great uh, television because of uh, the aforementioned points. And I just think, it, you know, it, things are bound to get wacky. You know, my, my dad used to always say when I was younger, you know, when I would go out and, and, and be a teenager and whatnot, he'd say, nothing good happens after midnight. Well, everything good happens during Pac-12 after dark. I mean, last week you had Wazoo, Boise State, huge comeback. This week it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so we'll start there. Uh, so, Nam, I guess just kind of give the rundown of, of what, your feelings and, and how you are perceiving this game to go. So give us your thoughts after the first two games, Cal Tuno, a uh, big win over North Carolina week one um, and uh, one last week. Um, so I guess just, your thoughts and what you expect uh, this Saturday? Uh, well, I am having a hard time judging this Cal team so far. I suspect you guys beating up on two uh, really inferior opponents will probably think the same thing about uh, Ole Miss at this point. Uh, the win over North Carolina suggested that Cal might be halfway decent this year. Then we go out and struggle for three quarters against Weber State, pull away in the last 10 minutes. Uh, they don't score in the second half, but it's still closer than anybody wants, considering we were four, close to four possession favorites. So uh, I think what I've personally managed to talk myself into is this might be a winnable game. You know, uh, you guys are traveling a long way. Uh, you guys have so far shown kind of uh, some struggles against the run. You guys also haven't played all that well for four quarters yet. Maybe we can catch them off guard. I don't know. I expect it to be pretty competitive. And Vegas opened the line, I believe, at Ole Miss by three, which is, like, way closer than I expected. Um, so I, I think it will be competitive, but I do think Cal eventually drops it. Well, it's it, it definitely – I think you have a good reason to think it will be a close game, you know, because the teams are pretty similar. Um, you know, and Ole Miss struggles to run the ball. And, and Cal, super unfortunately, lost a – Running back, Trey Watson, I believe is his name. Um, yeah. You know, talk about his impact on the team and what will Cal be missing? Because, you know, the way I look at it is Ole Miss struggles from the ball, and, and, you know, both Cal and Ole Miss have good receivers and quarterbacks. I mean, is this just going to have to be a shootout? Is, is this going to turn Cal more one-dimensional? Um, it really remains to be seen. I can tell you this much. One, Trey's numbers aren't really outstanding um, due to various injuries, timeshare type things uh, over the last few years. But everybody in Berkeley has really had really been expecting Trey to take over and really break out this year. Um, I can be found on Twitter uh, screaming 
four to five times a game that he needs more carries. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, it's just not going to happen for him this year. Uh, there's a lot of talk about him being back next year, so maybe you'll see him down there uh, in Oxford for the rematch. But uh, the starting running back this week is going to be Patrick Laird. Had a big week against Weber, uh, made a couple of big plays against UNC as well. But I am among Patrick Laird's uh, skeptics at the moment because I want to see how he performs against the SEC level of athlete. I think you guys will probably be bigger and faster than uh, a lot of the guys that we've played so far. So I don't know if there will be that much of a run threat on the ground. I don't have a particularly high opinion of the other guy that they have at the timeshare position, which would be Big Vic and Weary. Uh, when it comes to short yardage, he really struggles to keep moving. Um, doesn't really – like for a guy his size, you'd think he'd be better running in between the tackles and in short yardage, and he's kind of not. What, how, do you, how do you feel about Ross Bowers? Uh, sophomore, pretty pretty good first two games. He's thrown, two, he's thrown a couple picks. Um, Completed about 67% of his passes. Uh, really, really lit it up against the the, the Tar Heels. Um, kind of pedestrian last week. Um, but, I mean, for a sophomore, I think um, big shoes to fill with Davis Webb leaving. So, how? what's the general feeling about, about him and the offense in Berkeley right now? So, you guys uh, are going to have a big edge at the quarterback position by far. One of the projects that I take on for the other Cal site that I write at, um, I'm, I work, I do a little bit of work both at Golden Blogs and at Cal Rivals, uh, is I chart the throws every week. And it looks like Ross Bowers has been really, really productive, but a large part of that has been a freak, a- not freak accident, but has been very uh, run after the catch heavy. Uh, if you watch the tape on us, uh, you'll see that, we're taking a lot of pains right now to protect Ross Bowers, you know, one, cause he's very inexperienced, but two, whether that's by his own design check downs or inability to, to push the ball down the field uh, in both of the first two games so far uh, over anywhere between 70 to 81% of the throws uh, that have left his hand have gone short within 10 yards in the air. So for him to create any production, it really depends on breaking tackles, getting yards out of the catch, because he hasn't been effective pushing the ball downfield yet. And I'm not sure those yards after the catch are going to be there again against what I assume will be uh, a much more athletic and fast defense than what we're used to seeing already. Uh, Certainly those yards weren't there last week against Weber of all teams. So hopping over to defense, um, as, as talented on paper as Ole Miss's offensive line is, um, and they have been for a couple of years, they, they've they've caught a lot of grief, a lot of criticism from from everybody. Um, well, who are some? I, I guess some names to know on the front in the front seven, um, defensive ends, anything like that. And then, do you think there there is anybody possibly uh, in the secondary? And, and granted, two inferior opponents, like you said, uh, but nobody has really come remotely close to covering A.J. Brown. Does Cal have anybody in that back third that can that can handle him and D.K. Metcalf and those other big guys? Um, I'm going to start up front, and the guy that you should know is a personal favorite of mine, uh, Devontae Downs, who was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week uh, in Week 1. Week 2, he made uh, Pro Football Focus's All-Pac-12 Team of the Week. So he's having a great season now that he's been deployed under Tim DeRuder and not some of the defensive staff that Sonny Dykes used to uh, trot out there. Um, and I'm saying defensive staff very, very generously. Uh, 
Uh, Devontae Downs, big athletic dude, plays down, plays downhill, uh, runs around in space. He'll be tasked a lot with, tr- you know, at least trying to keep an eye on Shea Patterson. Um, you'll also see, at least in the front, uh, in the front seven, they'll talk a lot about James Looney, who plays up front for us at defensive end. He's kind of a smaller, disruptive three-four uh, DL kind kind of guy. Uh, if he can get any pressure. Uh, I think that would be really, really big on Saturday. Uh, I know how how dangerous Shea will be throwing to a DK Metcalf and an AJ Brown uh, if he's comfortable. So we're going to be leaning on those two guys, and uh, and a returning um, Cam Saffel this week, uh, who missed last week's game against Weaver. Those three guys are going to be a really big part of our pass rush. Uh, if those guys aren't getting home, we're probably going to have to send extra pressure. We really haven't done a great job getting there with just four guys. Uh, throughout this season so far. And the the Cal secondary is actually supposed to be the most talented part uh, of the defense. Do I know if they can hang with A.J. Brown? Probably not. But I'm interested to see because the, that group has really improved dramatically to the point where uh, some established starters have been pushed by young guys and had their spots taken this season. Uh, and I'm talking about guys who are multi-year starters, and that I think that has a lot to do with the talent that's recruited. So uh, you might want to pay attention to Cam Bynum, who will draw a lot of these assignments. Marlashawn Franklin uh, is the other. We have three guys for two spots, and the, the last guy is Elijah Hicks. Those will be the three corners who will see most of the playing time and uh, matching up with your receivers. So what's the, uh, the Cal fans' read on Sonny Dykes? And, and I ask for a couple of reasons. Uh, one being that, you know, Ole Miss is our head coach is an interim head coach. Matt Luke uh, is a guy that a lot of Ole Miss fans like, but the, you know, the thinking is that if he doesn't have a great year this year, that Ole Miss will sort of be on the market. And the name Sonny Dykes has been tossed around a lot. He, he is from the South originally. He recruits really well in the South. He actually has a lot of recruiting connections in Mississippi. I don't know um, exactly where that comes from, but he, uh, he definitely has – for example, he recruited A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf very heavily yep. when they were uh, yep. in high school. So, um, you know, what – he had he started out and Cal was in rough shape. Uh, and had Jared Goff, and they won a good bit of games. And, you know, last year a little bit of regression. But, like, so what are the, what are the Cal fans read on Sonny Dykes and what he's done with the program? Um, before I answer that question, uh, I – I'm actually really interested. This is the first time I've, I'm hearing some of that Sonny to Ole Miss talk, but also makes kind of some sense, you know, uh, seeing as Jacob Peeler's already on the staff and he generates a lot of the uh, Mississippi connections, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. at least for, for Sonny Dykes, and they've been all the way together back since at Louisiana Tech. Uh, as a fan base, we liked Sonny uh, as a person. You know, he was he was nice. He was friendly. He ran. Uh, he did a lot of culture work and academic work to get the program back to its uh, high APR. I believe we had a 9.97 last year, um, which was close to top in the Pac-12, if not the top team in the Pac-12 for once. Um, and that changed a lot from under Jeff Tedford, who kind of left the program in a less than ideal state. So we owe a lot to Sonny for that. But there was a growing sense in Berkeley that he was never going to get it together. He was hamstrung by a lot of uh, budgetary constraints here in here in the UC system. We're not really all that rich uh, as a university, uh, and there's a lot of red tape that frustrates academic, or sorry, athletic programs. Um, Sonny just gave off a lot of times the he was never going to beat a team that he shouldn't beat. 
he would mostly beat the teams that he should beat. And it was pretty obvious that he had no idea what he was looking for, or at least what kind of assistant he really needed to be successful on, on the defensive side of the ball. And that's part of what really doomed him up here. Yeah, I, I think that the hesitancy, you know, I've heard the name. I think all Miss fans like to just toss out names at this point because I hear the name going around and, you know, he's uh, a coach kind of looking for a job as well. And Ole Miss is kind of a school looking for a coach. And, and uh, so I just kind of wanted to get your, your read on that. Um, uh, you mentioned Jacob Peeler. Uh, he's, he's at Ole Miss. He's coaching the receivers. He's a former Cal guy. Um, but, but I'm curious as to, so you talked about Peeler's connections recruiting. Um, have, have you seen any sort of difference uh, in the, in the way things have gone since he's left? I mean, is his recruiting prowess really something that's, that's that important or that Ole Miss should pay attention to? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Jacob Peeler has been whispered by rivals as like one of the top recruiters in the country and at least on the Cal side of the ball. Uh, we haven't really been in contention as strongly for some of those top tier uh, names, you know, like four star, five star guys that probably wouldn't give Cal a look from out of state. Uh like that's what we lost by losing Peeler. And we were really, really hopeful that we could maybe hang on to him, but uh, that was going to be a, like a dream situation regardless. And uh, I have nothing but positive things to say about the work that he did here in Berkeley. Uh, very thankful for how he helped some of these guys develop. Uh, and I wish him nothing but the best and you won't catch me booing him or anything like that when we see him on the field. So going back over offense, um, we, we've been talking about receivers with, with some of the Ole Miss guys, but um want to talk a little about some of the, the Cal receivers. Um, so we were talking about Peeler. He was obviously big and instrumental in getting Demetrius uh, Robertson to Cal um, from Savannah, Georgia, five-star, beat out, you know, the likes of Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame to sign him. Dynamic football player. Ole Miss is going to have to know where he is at all times. But I want to bring up another guy. Um, Leading receiver on the team right now, Vic Wharton. Um, Ole Miss fans might know him. Ole Miss recruited him really hard when he was coming out of high school out of Nashville. He went to CPA, uh, pretty close to where I am. Um, went to Tennessee, transferred to Cal. So I, I'm interested to see how you think he's going to – how Wilcox is going to use him on Saturday because the weakness on Ole Miss's defense is at linebacker. Vic's a guy that can play in the slot. He can – create those mismatches, quick guy. Um, do you think that's going to be how they're going to approach this? I mean, um, possession receiver to the max, I mean, just a quick little dude. Um, how do you think he will fit into uh, the, the the playbook and, I guess, the game plan this week? Um, they're going to look a lot to, one, they put some looks on the Weber State tape this week that you guys probably looked at that uh, – I think they're going to plan to use D-Rob in even more interesting ways. There was a couple of looks where he lined up in the backfield. Uh, they showed jet sweep uh, motion uh, and actually handed the ball off to Robertson a couple of times. So they'll probably be looking to throw off that is my prediction at some point, whether it's a deep shot or not, or try to just use him as a decoy. Uh, D-Rob really hasn't taken the step forward in production that we were hoping for just yet. And I know some of that is, again, uh, I mentioned earlier, Ross Bowers hasn't been that aggressive or accurate pushing the ball down the field uh, at 20 plus yards, which is like Demetrius's uh, ideal range. As for Vic Wharton, um, they're going to try to run him uh, on mesh, slants, cross, drag. Uh, 
uh, basically anything that's going to get him a running head start with the ball in his hands. Um, we don't usually throw that many bubble or tunnel screens anymore as we did under uh, Spavital or Tony Franklin. But they want to get him in space. They want to try to see if they can get him running against somebody. That's how he's made most of his production so far. Uh, but he runs a much more diverse route tree uh, and more effectively than Demetrius Robertson, at least through the first two games so far. You know, Ole Miss is a, is a team that, especially in the back seven uh, is, is uh, on defense, is light on experience. And what experience the guys do have uh, is not great. I mean, I, I don't mean to speak ill of Ole Miss players, but there have been some struggles, especially at the linebacker position. And they really do uh, struggle against players that are both speedy and have great lateral movement in space. And it's sort of like they – guys that can get to that next level are, uh, are really dangerous. So especially against things like screens and swing passes. So is that something that Cal likes to run a lot? Is that something that Ole Miss should expect to see a lot on Saturday? Uh, you would have seen more of it, I think, if Trey hadn't torn his ACL last week. Uh, against Weber, we threw – I'm tallying it up really quickly. We threw four passes just as swing, uh, swing or wheel uh, against the behind the line of scrimmage. Against UNC, it was a little bit more because they were trying to protect Bowers a little bit. So we do use those kinds of routes, um, but I don't know if we'll see it. Uh, depends on if the team decides they want to attack it on tape. But our best receiving against your linebackers went out last week. All right, so I guess we'll we'll, we'll go into uh, we'll, we'll put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. So the over under is pretty high. I think the last I saw that was seventy two. Um, people are going back and forth on this. I, I tend to think it's going to be under. I think the over is a little bit of a trap here, even though we opened up talking about all the points. If you were a bet man, or if you are, where are you leaning for Saturday on the over under? I, I'm going to play it conservatively just because, you know, we've rolled to 30-plus both times. I think we, like, we don't have a strong feel yet uh, for how Wilcox wants to manage the game, especially as an underdog. Um, I think they're going to try to play it safe, keep the ball in the hands, you know, all that standard underdog strategy. I feel like it'll probably be under. And then as far as the spread goes, um, minus four right now for Ole Miss. Um, you don't have to give us a pick if you don't want. You don't have to give us a score. Um, which way are you leaning as of right now on Thursday? I think it'll probably. I think it'll probably be Ole Miss by anywhere between four and seven. So I'd take Ole Miss. All right, all right. Uh, I'm sorry. Am, sure. am I being? Am I being more <laughs> negative than most guest bloggers that you usually have? I'm trying to attack this realistically is all. No, this is pretty par for the course. I think everybody's usually pretty pessimistic when you say Bob. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I think people don't want to go into, you know, it's sort of like you're in someone else's living room. You're going to, you know, be nice and behave modestly. But uh, we've had, a, I, I do remember one guest in particular that was really funny. Uh, the guy, nice guy. I'm not going to say anything bad about him at all. Uh, but when we played UTEP and we had him on the podcast, he was, like, so confident that UTEP was going to beat Ole Miss. And I was like, man, I wish I had that kind of confidence in my college football team. 
<laughs> spoiler alert, Ole Miss beat UTEP. That was like four or five years ago. That was, I think, Hugh Freeze's first year. So uh, yeah. really admired that yeah, guy. I, think, I still follow him on Twitter. Honestly, He's uh minor nation. Hit him up. Yeah, honestly, the only person that really just tracked mud all in our living room uh, – and and Nam, this might shock you, but uh, it was uh, one of our good friends from the uh, Alabama SB Nation days. Mm. Um, and it was it was actually two years in a row that he was he was he was upset about it. So um, other than that, yeah, it's pretty far for the course. Everyone's usually plays it pretty cool. This game, though, I, you know, I don't really think this is you being hard on, on on your fellows here. I mean, this is a tough game to call. I mean, Bob, I mean, how are you feeling as of Thursday night? I mean, I still don't really know how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I get, I kind of want to lean towards the under, but that's only because, you know, where Ole Miss does well on offense, it's like a lot of big plays that like to eat up the field in huge chunks. But they kind of don't get a lot of the little fundamentals right, uh, you know. And so I think that he can't travel three to- or two time zones away and play in someone else's stadium that's in a major P5 conference and get away with that sort of thing. So I think that Ole Miss isn't going to score as much as maybe we want them to. And, and uh, obviously Cal is the, uh, you know, Berkeley's the best opponent we'll have played so far and it'll be in their place. So I'm, I'm not so high on this game. That said, ask me at 10, 25 PM Eastern, like five minutes will kick off and, and uh, I'll have a few whiskeys in me at that point And I'll be like, hell yeah, they're going to score 60. So, you know, you just maybe caught me at the wrong time. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm definitely – I'm leaning to the under right now. Um, now, playing devil's advocate, uh, I do think that, you know, body clock-wise, Ole, Ole Miss should be fine. Um, it, you know, it, it won't be too late. And I think that they're they're already there, I believe. They've already left. So I think they're going to be getting accustomed to the time zone change and, and things like that. But, you know, it, it's going to be obviously a better opponent. Um I'm not sure on a score yet, but I think I give the edge, like you said, uh, Nam, to Ole Miss. Just I usually look at the quarterback and then look at the trenches. Um, I, I mean, Ross Bowers, pretty good sophomore. Um, had a good year so far. Shea Patterson has just been lighting the world on fire and is, you know, right at almost 1,000 yards through two games. Now, granted, they were bad opponents. Um and the, the trenches, you know, I mentioned that it's going to be an interesting matchup because, you know, the offensive line is, is, is great on paper, but they just seem to struggle and can't really get a run game going. So Ole Miss staying on schedule on offense is going to be key um, in Berkeley. So, then before we let you go, uh, we wanted to step away from football for a little bit. Um, give the folks some of your highlights, places they need to go in Berkeley, whether that be food, bars, uh- any kind of attractions, late night food. Give us, give us the rundown on where they need to go. Um, so it's not going to be the Grove, all right. You coming out here, you're not really going to get that serious of a of a tailgate culture. And I am immensely looking forward to my trip over to Mississippi next year. It'll be my first time in that part of the South. I've been to Florida a few times, but um, I've never, you know, been to Mississippi. So I now, hear now, great now hold things. On. Now, now hold on, which part of Florida were you in? Uh, St. Pete, where my family lives. Okay, I'm trying to think of where that is because yeah. I, I, I think I think St. Pete probably counts. There, in in the, in the South, Nam, there's a, there's a big debate as to whether or not Florida's southern, 
and and like uh, the idea is like uh, okay, Miami is certainly Miami, like um, you know, yeah. and Tallahassee well, is definitely they, Tallahassee, and there's kind of like a little blending in between the two, you know. Where so St. Pete is that close to the Panhandle? That's in Tampa. That's near Tampa. Yeah, it's Tampa. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's still south. Yeah, Tampa's still south. I mean, it's on the okay. Gulf of Mexico. It's hard to say anything on the Gulf of Mexico isn't southern. True. <laughs> true. Good point. Okay. Started. I didn't mean to derail you. I just didn't. You know, as long as you weren't no, saying Orlando good. was the south. <laughs> no. Um. Well, basically. What you're going to get out here is you're coming here to, you know, get a diversity of cuisine, fine dining options, things of that nature. Uh, if it's not on game day or you're looking kind of like for a nicer uh, Berkeley dining experience, I'm not sure if it's back up yet, uh, but Chez Panisse uh, by Chef Alice Waters um, is a great place to stop and have uh, like a more formal sit-down dinner or lunch Um as far as for the game day experience, a couple of bars that I really love being at, uh, Triple Rock Brewery, uh, especially if you're already, or, well, I guess at, as the, at the time that we're recording this, it already is Thursday, so never mind. Uh, they have this special monkey head brew that they only make on Thursdays. But Triple Rock is a great place to be, if you're, and especially if you're coming to BART, uh, Jupiter will be right off of the BART station uh, at downtown Berkeley BART. Uh, Top Dog is a legendary uh, Berkeley establishment. If you're into kind of just getting some, you know, quick, easy hot dogs uh, for game day, closer to the stadium, you want to hit up Henry's and Pappy's. Uh, Pappy's is on Telegraph. Um, you know, but say hi to, to any any of the, you know, frat houses that are throwing parties. People, you know, have small tailgates. We're, we're, we're friendly up here. Um, I know we have a reputation for being wild and um, rebellious, literally, but uh, people, people, in, people on the West Coast are generally pretty chill. Um, well, I, I think you guys will have a good time coming out here. Hopefully yeah, one of our, uh, yeah, well, exactly. No, one one of our writers, Gray Hardison, um, at Belly of the Beast on Twitter. Everybody should be following him. He will be out there, uh, so follow him. He'll give you the live updates as to the goings-on out in Berkeley, and I'm sad that I'm not going to be out there. It's been, it's been years since I've been to Berkeley now. I was in San Francisco last summer. Love, love, I mean, I love the Bay Area, big fan. So um, uh, if, if you have time, I'm just going to recommend one thing, um, and you're only doing – you got like a weekend or something, take the bar into San Francisco, hit up Chinatown, like get dim sum, like get the authentic stuff, you know. Like that's such a cool neighborhood – such a cool city. Uh, I love it. And Berkeley's great. Obviously, wine country. I'm just going to pimp your own city here, Nam. Hope you don't mind me doing that. No, nah, it's all good, but man. Great spot. Russian River Brewing Company. Come on, guys. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this train going. So I was recently out in, in California, did the whole Highway 1 all the way up. Uh, San Francisco, if you're not looking for, for dim sum or anything crazy, sit down. Um, you know, go to 21st Amendment Brewery. The, the charcuterie board there is insane. Um, if you're looking for more of a sort of fine dining, uh, but still pretty chill, uh, Flores is really nice. Uh, upscale, uh, you know, Latin food, it, it was incredible. Um, the fried plantains were insane. Uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, San Francisco is great. Loved it. Um, Nam, you got any other recommendations? for uh, San Francisco at all? Because I think that's where everybody's going to end up going after the game. They're going to make a long weekend out of it. 
Man, did we lose you? No, I'm still here. I was waiting to see if anybody was saying anything. Oh, oh um, yeah, you got any other recommendations for uh, San Francisco before we uh, close here? No, I think that's the those should would be the main ones. But if I can throw a quick shout out to the uh, GB tailgate, if you're just looking to meet some people who also frequent uh, SB Nation, you can meet most of our staff, including me. Uh, I should be there for at least a little while uh, in the Dwinell parking lot. It'll be right by uh, Haas Pavilion. So if you're looking for the uh, the big basketball stadium slash Evans Field, we're like right by there. Um, so hope to meet some of you guys. Come through, shake my hand. Don't shake my hand, whatever. Uh, but uh, we'll be there, and we will be as friendly and welcoming as we possibly can be. So, so last thing here. Um, so, Ole Miss, we, we, uh, Jacob Peeler, uh, he has brought some swagger to the wide receiver room. They are now known as the NWO, uh, Nasty Wideouts. They have a belt and everything. So I noticed in your Twitter avatar that you, too, have a belt. What's the story behind that? Uh, my fantasy football league, we are nine years deep now. Uh, we bought a actual championship belt uh, our first year. So it says fantasy champ, and uh, I keep it in my classroom at school. I'm a high school teacher. So my kids ask, I use the wrestling belt as a, as a motivational tool also. And so they ask me, how do you win the big belt? I'm like, that's for me. Um, and actually, he actually started that NWO, or at least he was calling it that over here, but it just wasn't as established thing, and we didn't have a championship uh, okay. back then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Um, so tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, and uh, just give them a little brief reminder of where they can find the uh, Cal Golden Blog tailgate before we uh, sign off here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I can be found at, at a guy named Nam. That is my handle slash brand. I'm only saying that half ironically. You guys know how the 21st century is. Uh, so a guy named Nam on Twitter uh, and basically everywhere. Uh, you can find the Cal Golden Blogs tailgate starting at about 3.30 in the Donnell parking lot. Uh, that's right by Haas Pavilion where we play basketball. If you're just looking for the big basketball stadium, we're basically like a half a stone's throw away from there. All right, man. Well, once again, we appreciate your time. Thanks again. Uh, best of luck Saturday. Um, you're probably accustomed to it, and it'll be normal time for you. Uh, us Central and Eastern time zone uh, folks are trying to find out how we're going to stay awake uh, for this game and be alert. Um, Red Bull Vodka. Bobby, Red Bull Vodka. That's it, man. That's hey, the key. Yeah. Say that, or uh, I, I've been going – I've been on a hard vodka water kick. Uh, you stay hydrated, <laughs> and you still get drunk. So it, it, Absolutely. it's working. Um. Bobby, got anything else? No, that's it. Uh, uh, I guess in solidarity with our Cal friends, uh, Stanford can suck it. Suck it, Stanford. <laughs> yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, so Thanks, for Nam, for, uh, for Bob, uh, I'm Zach. Uh, so once again, follow Nam on Twitter, also at Golden Blogs on Twitter, uh, and also check out their website. Really good stuff over there. Um, Y'all be nice. Y'all go out there. Don't stir up any trouble or act like idiots. Uh, So for Podcast Rebellion, we are out. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.